Welcome to the Intriguing Beings podcast with me, Rue Jater. Episode 20, A King of the Air Special. Good morning, good afternoon everyone. I'm sat down again with last week's guest. Struggling to find Craven. people. Right struggling to find people out here. It's actually quite funny. Everybody's here that you WhatsApp them and then they just bail on you and it's like quite tricky to get people pinned down. But it's also the king of the air and so everybody has been crazy busy plus we've been on deadline so it's been quite difficult to hook up with people. Um, but Lewis and I were chatting and we thought it'd be quite nice just to do a little king of the air update for this week's podcast so you get to hear about how the event went last week and the finals that are on Wednesday which is tomorrow and you know get a kind of a vibe for how the events evolved over the years and we just sort of chat about that a little bit and give people a bit of an insight behind the king of the air and what goes on so Lewis you're I think the only person that's competed in every event now that Sam Light was injured and couldn't compete this year actually Sam had missed one of the years before, before. so it was the seventh seventh one in a row I'd done and I mean to be honest that had coincided with guys like Aaron having a big injury Kevin having a big injury Nick having a big injury Jesse having a big injury so it just basically was that I wasn't injured every year and managed <laughs> to keep getting back in the event but still I like to think that I've been on the journey since the start of it in 2013 you could even go back to 2012 if you include the Mega Loop Challenge then so certainly for seven or eight years my trip in Cape Town has become more of a, a working focused effort to, to you know it's not off season but my first five years here were almost like going on holiday you know it definitely was yeah. off season so it's definitely change the experience of being here because you're out here and focused on that event for the most of the trip i guess yeah and it's the biggest event of my calendar to be out here at the king of the air it's the biggest event in kiteboarding i think so it makes sense to really focus your time on doing i mean i used to come out and do so much coaching and this and that and then slowly and more slowly i realized that actually i needed to just stop everything and just go kiting for you know a month up to the event it was it's very good for you and um, we mentioned injuries there and like people like Jesse and Kevin and Aaron picking up injuries and not being able to compete. I mean, that was probably a bit of a theme for this year's event because it's not been the best season win-wise. People mm-hmm. have been trying to train in perhaps sub-par conditions and Sam got injured before the event. Julian Lelou, who was the next reserve, injured his knee the night before the event, which is the worst nightmare. Aaron did a rib injury during the event you mm-hmm. picked up an injury during the event why do you think it is that it's you know so hard on riders bodies and things like that so, um i guess it's the big air discipline i suppose if you make slight mistakes you're really punished for it you know like aaron hurt his rib for i suppose by no means was a huge crash but it was a one of them ones where the harness can snag you and get your ribs and sam done his ribs by you know not a major one but reasonably big crash a few nights before it's I, I do think there's an element to the more time you're here the more you build up for it that you start to protect yourself a bit more certainly for me the first week you get here is the one where you've got to be so careful because you're not really in the zone with it and you've got to you can't go all out the first sessions now I think that's what I've learned over the years that's where most of the injuries come but it's this discipline with the extra risk and high and and especially in competition is where you kind of like, like some of the moves we never train them like a big scent handle pass we openly discuss between each other that that's a stupid thing to train you know we've been doing that since 
2004 and 5 it's it's very simple you could do it blindfolded but it's one of them ones where just isn't worth practicing it because you don't want to increase the amount of times you do it that you might miss the bar and drop out the sky so you save those moves for the event and you i think you do more frequency of the big moves in a short succession of time which isn't what you usually do when you go for a kite session you might have eight to ten minutes between each big mega loop whereas here you come in seven or eight inside eight minutes so you have fatigue that influences that um very likely not the ideal condition to be throwing that stuff in so you kind of forcing it all out there so you're, you're bringing in all these extra variables so the injuries tend to happen during the event and like we said around the event as well i think the biggest skill of this event is actually to not be injured before the event <laughs> uh, you know and then to not get injured during the event and make yeah, yeah. and definitely. then you've got half a chance of making it to the finals yeah do you think the conditions play a big part i know it's something that you've discussed before and we don't want to sort of bang on about it but i was chatting to aaron Hadlow last night at Ewan's movie premiere and he was saying that you know the the wind limit for the event seems to have come down over the years like when it was the mega loop challenge it was you know crazy crazy winds like 40 knots and this event arguably it was 25 just I guess when you looked at the report afterwards yeah it was an average 25 but I think we I think we know that that's realistic every year I mean you can sort of lie to yourself and think it might go absolutely nuking we haven't had a super strong season this year in fact the last three seasons there hasn't been any of this 50 knot days like we used to my eight meters stayed in the bag and won't come out again for another season which i suppose to some people they can't believe in the winds (laughs) that we use these kites in our nines go up to 40 knots certainly our sea kite so it has evolved slightly differently over the years but it's not there's no real complaints about that or negativity around it because it is what it is it's a two-week window the call to put the event on these days is never met with any oh we can't do it because there's a better day it's it's they're they're choosing the best days there's a team of people that look at the forecast i've just sat with kevin at breakfast and asked him what he thought about the event not running today and it running tomorrow and he was on exactly the same page as me that he was like you know i just checked winguru these guys actually are checking low pressure systems they've got a guy who does stuff at the airport who looks at weather and stuff they've they really have brought the best people team around that, that you can trust them on that stuff. So they can only work with the the wins wins on the day that they get, and that's something we fully understand and respect as riders. The, the days have long gone where after the first two or three years you'd get a, a light day and everyone complains or half the group complain. You know that's that's not how how it is now. You accept that they're the conditions on the day. It's just I think from a from my own personal perspective, from a real deep, passionate, gale force wind guy, because that's a term that's thrown around a lot with this event, extreme and gale, or to near gale, a gale is 32 knots, it starts in that, and that's and that's ideally what the stronger guys want, but that's realistically not what you get. And, you and that's an average of 32 knots as well, yeah. isn't it? It's not like, oh, there's a peak gust, that's a gale force wind. It's like it needs to be yeah. averaging 32 knots for it to be considered gale force, yeah, which but, but now really happens. The guys are going so big, and the girls for that matter, are going what looks to be so big and high, and the equipment has changed to you know 25 knot average with a few 30 knot gusts. People are still jumping 20 metres now. You know, and that's been uh, the evolution of the kit or the equipment in a way. Like you won't see many riders 
uh, taking sea kites now in those winds. It's predominantly um, bridled kites or brid kites, um, bow kites. I nearly used the term. <laughs> that term still in use, but I think there's one sea kite left in the last six now, which is Liam. Liam, isn't it? Yeah, he's yeah. still got the F1 WTF. Yeah, so that's partly down to riders' choices of what they use and. For us stubborn guys that think it's still going to nuke it, it's uh, something we might need to adapt better to. I Didn't think. you ride the Rebel one year? Or I know that you were using the Rebel a lot for kiting. So what's your theory behind using a sea kite over a bow kite when you look off the beach and you sort of think those guys on the bow kites are doing um, I think it's. Kites? I think this, it's like really psychological and it's ingrained in in what you how you got into the sport. You know, my way into the sport was looking at a guy like Ruben making these videos which were just unbelievable and they were on four line sea kites going massive and sending the kite level certainly for me when I look at a picture of a mega loop if the kite isn't level or at least the rider isn't level with the bottom lines it doesn't mean anything to me and that's quite a judgmental way to look at it but that's how I feel about it and if it's not done on a sea kite I don't think it's done with as much power and extremity and that's just the way I've come into the sport and in some ways that can be um can I've admitted to myself that actually that's something I need to change certainly in the lighter wind it's the fact is that the other kite models and the equipment open to you would perform better but certainly using a dice in conditions like that would have would have got me higher and would have still done reasonably aggressive loops so it's it's about adapting to the change in the kit and the evolution of the the discipline, which is it always has been king of the air. It just means who's actually doing the best stuff in in any given environment. And it's I think on my part taken me a lot of years to accept that rather than come home and think oh it wasn't my win today. It's actually it was everyone had the same wind out there. So I think we're seeing more and more of the extreme guys like Ruben I'd put Aaron in that category he really handles it fine in 40 knots Joshua as well it's going quite big they're sort of out early and the guys that are very good at adapting and are able and are training hard in those lighter conditions are doing really well this year do you think um, that equipment difference because obviously from the punters on the beach and the people watching the live stream they probably looked at the King of the Air and thought that was fantastic and there was absolutely nothing wrong with it and it was awesome and yet for someone like yourself and Aaron on the sea kites you know you guys were struggling because it wasn't quite windy enough to kind of perform at the level you wanted to perform is it an issue that you know people don't appreciate how much harder it is to do those moves on a sea kite and how much more extreme it is to get level with your lines and they're just looking at it going oh cool he's flying through the air doing a board off kite loop but okay the kite's at 45 degrees rather than level with the rider is that something that perhaps um you know we're not educating the public about enough or we've simplified it too much um i don't think it needs to be educated to the public because it's in them conditions that was the best stuff on the day you know like it's certainly might be different if it was windier but it's i don't feel that the public need too much education on everything or it's you know it can confuse them a bit what's going on they do the best job they can on the on the beach and stuff but it's to them you're all riding kites and you're all riding boards whether you've got straps handles or boots it doesn't matter you know so they don't need to be told 
too much. They're simply looking at who's going the highest, which has always been an important factor of the event. They, they're very open about that. 70% of what we're doing is height, you know, and 30% is extremity. So you've got to get up there first and foremost. And I think that's where the riders that are in the last six now have really paid attention to that and have tuned their equipment and taken all the right stuff to enable that. You know, it's kind of... Um, irrelevant how what what your own thoughts and feelings are about what's the most extreme and this and that's completely irrelevant to the actual day of the event you've got to adapt and go as high as you can in them conditions so that's definitely something i've learned from the event yeah taken on board and how how do you think guys like jesse and kevin i mean obviously watching from the beach and anyone that's watched the live stream which is probably most people listening to this i mean they were really standout riders what do you think makes them different in terms of their um, style and their ability compared to everyone I else? I think they're both very different riders. I mean, I wouldn't be lying in saying that I am more of a fan of Jesse's riding because I value the unhooking side to it. I think to unhook in those wins is, is more risk. I'm more of a guy that values risk. Certainly after the crashes I've had, I feel like you, you, know, you <laughs> kind of think, that's where the point should go but in Kevin's case he's just so consistent he lands all of his stuff you know I'm not a fan of handles on boards and things like that but he still goes off and does the well he just does all the moves you know apart from mum hooking maybe but I think Kevin's so consistent and is able to go higher than than pretty much everyone he's got his I don't think down. he crashed did he I don't he, recall no, him ever like, it just yeah. seems to land everything which takes me back to my risk and and really all putting it on the line jesse goes through big crashes because he's pushing putting it on the line you know so that would be the, the difference for me between those two but kevin's got all the moves he always has done the loops the loops of the board off which is very important certainly in that win so different styles but they're just very good competition riders as well you know that so they don't they don't mess up i guess that's a fair comment isn't it if someone's not crashing are they really pushing themselves yeah. and their own limits or they're just riding within their ability but then i guess he's that good that he can sort yeah. of ride within his ability and win all his heats it's not his fault he's landing everything you know? <laughs> so, I mean, he's doing that deliberately yeah it's quite strange isn't it to watch him and i guess you know you've got lasse walkers the last person um from duotone in the mix and liam's the last person on a sea kite in the mix who's your pick for taking the win do you think who am I going to tip to win this event? I think that Jesse is going to win because he's very focused. He's got the aggressive aggression. He, he'll be one of the only two unhooking. Um, I think there's a lot of guys in the event now that can do a mega loop board off, so that'll cancel themselves out in a way. Lass is doing a really good one where he's not doing it off a hand or anything. So I'm stoked for him that he's got to the semis although he expects to this is the third year in a row that he's got to the semi-finals so for him he'll really want to go that step further it's a big semi-final for him to to do that and don't want to get that block in a way which can happen i mean i've had it where i did i think three years in a row semis and you know i wanted to get further so hopefully for him he can do it for duo tone and keep going but he's up against it with liam who's a you know a competition brain Nick's nice to see Nick in it as well with new gear I think Nick and Jesse would be really happy they've done that they've not long been riding that stuff so yeah that's been a really good effort for them also, kind of unfortunate they've ended up in the same semi-final yeah the semis are tough actually because you can end up with a harsh draw and just it's basically a final 
yeah. you know but then effectively one thing I always think with this event is that if you're going to win it you've got to beat everyone at some point yeah so it is harsh to it's a big it's a big set it's a big heat you know you're looking at like it's like a three grand heat it's quite a stressful thing that you don't think of that stuff but if you win it, it you, you if you win it you're putting money in the it's bank a podium if you don't, yeah big times yeah because you're straight into the podium yeah. if you win your and if you semi. get on the podium a lot of these top guys now have incentive bonuses etc etc you know it's like it starts actually becoming like that for people that sort of don't really know too much about what it's like to be a professional within this industry and be have sponsors there is a big element of this job where you do think about that stuff and you're you know at the end of the day you're not just out here having fun kiting this is our job and those heats are massive moment then big eight minutes heats where they can change your life in some ways you know we don't have any other bigger events in the calendar which can give you prize money like this so there's a lot riding on it with your sponsors as well if you hit a podium it can be the difference between a, a better contract next year you know it's a big moment that semi-final and there's three big moments in those semis but if I was to guess, I would think that Lasser and Liam will be quite hard to call. I think that semi. I think if Liam really goes for it like he will. They're quite similar will. riders, aren't they? I mean, aside from, I presume Liam's going to be wearing boots. Yeah. So he won't have the kite loop board off. Uh, Liam will look sleeve, a bit but... more powerful in his kite loops, I think, and will do a handle pass, whereas Lasser will explore all the options of the mega loop board offs and I know he's got some good combinations um, double rolls and things into loops as well so they're almost a bit different it, it's going to be a hard one to call that Jesse and Nick um, I think Jesse might edge that is this going out after the event or before this will go out probably today okay. so this will be quite funny we'll All make right. some predictions and then okay. see if we're right and well then we I can, can tell you that it. one North Ride is going to go throughout that heat and then the other, <laughs> the other heat is Kevin and Aurelian and that's the other guy that needs mentioning with yeah, what he's, happened last year with him? It's been wonderful. He's, he's been on fire. This it's event, been great for him. He took such a big decision for him last year to not pull complete. out the event, knowing that he'd actually got in. You know, it's such a tragedy that he had to go back. I think it was his grandfather who passed yeah, away. Right. So this is, you know, wouldn't it be magical for him if he actually could win the event? Like he's a really nice guy. Actually, he's always happy on the water, and he's happy to be here. And he's found himself with a worst case scenario fourth. Unfortunately, he's drawn. Kevin, but at least you know he's got nothing you, to lose, has he? No, I mean when you say unfortunately as well, there's, there's a reason why you get these routes through. It comes down to your ranking from previous years, etc., etc. So, you know, Kevin's where he is deservedly, and deservedly doesn't have Liam, who was second yeah. last year, and doesn't have third because I'm not there, and Jesse was somewhere else uh, finished. So difficult heat for Aurelian, but he's shown that he's got some moves to do it. Um, it's just can he beat Kevin no one seems to be able to do that at this event Kevin's so consistent so I would like to probably your betting man would say that it would be a Kevin in the final as well yeah so we're going Kevin Jesse yeah I think Liam in the final yeah I don't know <laughs> no I'm going to stick with my teammate Lasser and say that he's going to do it yeah I think for Lasser he'll show that he's got the variation and I think from I watching it on was it Thursday last week, last day I would pip against yeah. Liam. Like it depends how much they value a sent handle pass, or if that is going to score in your variation. For me, it's quite a big variation to unhook from your kite and do something. But then again, 
unhooking from your board with your feet is also another element yeah. of variation as well. So let's see how that goes. That's, that's going to be a close one, but I'd like Tough to call for the I'd like to support my teammate and say he's going to pull through with that one as well. So final in this order, Jesse, Kevin, Nasser. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then we won't pick a winner because we'll just look stupid. Yeah. Although I'd probably... Right, I kind of did just put it in that order. Oh, that's, that's, that's <laughs> the order of the finals. Kevin, Jesse, I would say I'll probably, if you were going to put money on it, that's probably the sound bet. Yeah. With Liam as maybe a bit of an outsider if he gets a nice... Also, do, yeah, yeah. It depends like if Jesse does... There. Jesse can do a mega loop board off too. And, and you know, I don't know how consistently he can do it. That has become a move of the event now. It's the king of the air as well. Anything could happen. I mean, who would have expected Aaron and you to go out so early, mm. you know, and Carlos Mario to not really look like, you know, he didn't, he didn't really impress that much on the water. He just looks a bit out of place, I felt, and didn't yeah. really seem to be, didn't yeah. look at home is how nice I Nice to put see it. him over here. Yeah, I great to see him can't... over here. But I think, and even he, when he saw his flag go down, he just went off riding up wind yeah. and rode around for a bit and obviously seems a bit annoyed about it all but yeah you've got to so spend time here you can't just turn up days before and expect to know this place it's really needs required even just the way the waves break you don't you know it's not by chance that remember last year someone was like oh you didn't get any waves in the final he was so unlucky kevin got them all kevin got them all because he he wasn't lucky you make your own luck here he knew every wave formation he's a surfer as well the good guys you find here never clearing that back wave and lining up for a wave that isn't there they always get good takeoffs you know so that's something that takes years of them and i think i'm pretty good at that but i watch some other guys and i'm sometimes going out like, oh the last wave there's no wave now you know the best guys yeah. never never make, make that a, mistake you know they're very efficient about when they ride out to a wave they'll always hit something and what's the judging format this year? It's two moves, isn't it, that you get scored on in the first part? Although for the semis, it's going to be different, right? So um, the, the semis will most likely, well, it is just three, three, three of your tricks. best tricks and then a separate variation score. So it's a maximum score out of 40. Your three moves will score out of 10 and then the other 10 will score with an overall um, impression score, which is um, basically variety. They want to see a bit of variety, not just within your three biggest scoring moves, but what you've done and that sort of thing but generally if it isn't over 25 it's the, the high aspect is it's quite hard to get different scores you see a lot of scores basically it was all low fives to mid sixes were the actual range of all the moves i think that's something i'd like to see change in the future and one way you do that is increase the wind and then we might get a chance to get up to seven eights nines you know like yeah. it's, it's a bit easier to differentiate yourself but that said they're scoring fives and sixes because they know that if the wind picks up they need 10, that 15 room to knots, score they, they need that and... room so there is that aspect to it but um, certainly that's one thing in Kev's favour the height thing because he just gets that height you know that's, that is he's reading the um, the criteria and he's doing that so that's why he's been so successful in the past what do you think um, for anyone that's like obviously it's the pinnacle of the sport at the moment um, in terms of the visibility of it because obviously you've got the mega loop challenge which is we were chatting earlier is perhaps more of a legitimate mega loop event in stronger winds but in terms of visibility this this is it what about people listening that are just like oh, i'd love to be part of that what advice would you give to them as, as someone that's competing from, or yeah compete like how would they get into it competing yeah, yeah. <laughs> competitive um, new word heard it here first what advice would i give well it's so hard to get in this event now 
Yeah. It's like, you know, how many... It's almost like being a Formula One driver, right? There's 18 riders yeah. and there's 18 Formula One drivers at last count, yeah. I think, something so like that. So the advice I would give is that um, there's a lot of people out here that you see that are actually riding pretty well that can do reasonable mega loops and things like that. I suppose I would encourage people to try and learn things both ways. I think that's definitely necessary at an event like this now, especially in... Well, in all conditions, really. We saw at that event, everyone was doing everything both ways, apart from mega loop board offs and things. But you really need to be able to loop both ways to come into this event, which takes years to learn. It's almost like I compare it to writing with another hand. The sensitivity in your hands to do that and your awareness. And if you come from a place where it's only one way all the time, force yourself to go somewhere like Cape Town for me was my window to left foot forwards riding I come from the south coast and I was always right foot forwards pulling on my left hand to loop and I came here in the first three years I couldn't even jump properly it would slowly spin me around into a front roll and I took years to study jumping and understand it and it's a choice to bother with that though you see a lot of riders coming here and only riding right foot forwards on the way in just don't bother with that stuff actually just keep jumping keep jumping you know actually learn how to do things both ways um i'm not sure if they will be continuing with the video format of this but certainly a majority of those videos didn't meet the criteria from what i was looking at you need it's very clear show the landings show that it's super windy and show a bit of variation and i think if there was one video you should watch to to, to show you what you need to be at level wise to come into this event it would be Ross Dillon's video which was superb last year and it was for me the first pick to come back into the event because it was just so easy for the people to judge judging it to go right that car's doing everything Ticking all the boxes. and ha good for him he's actually made the top 10 and he won't need to do that video so there's one good video out that's <laughs> going again <laughs> next year so yeah actually even coming to watch the event is quite a um, an eye opener to see how to it see runs. it live and, and yeah I think coming to watch it not even for people that want to be in the event just just for like you said it's the pinnacle of the sport it's an amazing day which really celebrates the big air it's a celebration people on the beers and down there it's a wonderful event to be part of where people are just stoked about you know the most unique aspect of the sport which is why we all got into it and why it's connecting so well with the audience now because everyone loves to learn to fly and this is the best environment to see the best guys in the world doing that stuff so actually being here is a I mean this is the first year you watched it I it's think first like. year I've watched it live so yeah. we always used to watch it from the Caribbean mm. on the live stream and the advantage of that was and I'll be honest here is you're not getting sandblasted yeah you've got a nice beer in your hand <laughs> it's yeah. really nice and warm and the live stream is pretty good like it's it, it's okay it's had its hand years hand. where it's been a bit ropey but yeah. it's pretty good so then you'd write the article as you were doing it. So after this event, I left the beach at six, went home, wrote 2,000 words, edited, you know, 60-odd pictures, but went through the thousands that I took and didn't get out until 11 o'clock. But at least my article was the first up. Yeah. And that's always like a key for us is to be first. So that was the advantage of it. But like you say, being here live and seeing it live is, you know, can't compare, literally can't compare. Mm. But it is pretty harsh on the beach all day. <laughs> <laughs> like five hours of and being sandblasted. Well, like, yeah, and that wasn't even super windy. No, like, it if it had been 40 was, knots. You wouldn't be on the beach here. No. Yeah, you'd be like hiding it's, somewhere. You almost get a pleasant atmosphere on the beach here on those days, you know? Like, you just can't be. Like, it's physically painful on the strong days. So, it's, in a way, actually, it suits 
more and more people being able to come down the way it's actually been running lately it invites more people to get clear. I mean, there's people right on the water. If you crash your car on the inside, you're literally slamming it into on people. Where, you know, coming from a country which is health and safety obsessed, it's quite refreshing to come here and do this event. And I mean, don't get me wrong, safety is like really taken seriously for us riders now. We have a whole safety team, jet skis, you know, like since that big accident, it's gone really good for safety. But it's also so nice to have people around and in, you know, I mean, there's another event you can get that close to the riders, is there? I mean, no. there's a rider area, but there's nothing to stop anybody wandering around and saying hello to you yeah. guys and shaking your hand or whatever. And I know a lot of you are eyes down, focused on the prize, so that's quite difficult sometimes to have to be nice and smiley. Nice, yeah, it's kind of a hard thing to deal with because I think I remember the year Nick won, and he was really in with the crowd. He was. It was it was and usually I think that's how it works. I think the guys that win are able to be part of the atmosphere and can communicate with the crowd and wave to them. I mean, there's some riders that you know really need to be focused and not almost showing no emotion. But there is a case that actually being completely immersed in the atmosphere of the crowd it gets them behind you. That's for sure when you. Yeah, and Kevin's also into that as well. And Maybe it's worth a few points with the judges yeah. if the judges are hearing the crowd going mad. Well, there is actually part of the psychologically boost the score up a little bit. One of the words that describes our variation score is the show. So it's possible that that could be conceived to be helping the show, but it's it's actually really hard to not engage the crowd when you come in and they shout. You know, like it's. It's a real decision to block that out and be Mr. Moody and being like, right, I'm focusing <laughs> on this. But that usually reflects your the, the way your mindset is, I think, before that. I don't have a problem with it either way, but I think the best way and the way that seems to me that I see from a competitive side is that the guys that have been the most relaxed and able to interact with the crowd seem to be the ones that do the best. That's Kevin, Nick's won it before. Um, Jesse likes to build the crowd a bit, you know, so it's those guys have won most of them, so... Yeah, must be something in that. Maybe it's that they're being relaxed and enjoying the day rather than yeah. being super stressed about it being an event and they've got to win at all costs and they're just relaxing, yeah. enjoying themselves and just riding. And yeah, and you must enjoy the day. It's like the you know highlight of your career to be part of this event. So that's an important thing to remind yourself to actually have fun. That's the last thing I try and tell myself at the start of the day is actually have fun because seven, ten years ago I would have done anything to have been kiting in that event. So yeah. you can take it for granted quite easily or you can actually be like wow this is pretty decent to be in this you know just to be part of it mm. and what about you know you picked up an injury at this event which I didn't realise watching from the beach and the commentators didn't pick up on it but what yeah. did you actually do to yourself you mentioned last night it was kind of um, pretty I, jarring well, I, I like to throw a scent handle pass in I've always been into that since my early days back on tour at home I, yeah Nothing was more annoying to people than a big scent handle pass to, in your heat. to just win to, the heat. Just put the nail in the coffin. And I can't believe that that's still going. But in, <laughs> in a way, if you can do them in strong wind, it, it kind of helps you. Um, and actually, I was running out. With that move, you need a clean takeoff. It's all about a clean takeoff to get a slight rally into it and then pendulum yourself back. And there was probably about me and Ruben were in the knockout of the first round I knew he hadn't done one and I thought right I could sneak this on variation so I set up for that move didn't find anywhere to take off for a while and this happened before actually with Nick in the semi-final two years ago where actually I think all I needed was to land a dangle pass and it would have been enough to go through 
and I spent three or four minutes looking for somewhere to take off. Sometimes it just you don't find that area if it's not super clean day. So then I saw Ruben ride past and I was like, right, I've got limited time. It's time to get on with it. So I didn't take a perfect ramp. In fact, it was a broken white water weird thing. Board dug in a little bit. Still got a good boost, but I think that bit of friction with the water just anchored me for a moment. And then as I went up to the handlebar so I hit a massive gust and the bar come out of my hands on the way up and that's very <laughs> unusual usually you miss a handle pass if you miss the bar or something so kite sent across 45 the other way and it was actually if I'm being completely honest was more scary than when I had my big major crash. accident because I didn't, never saw the big one happening was this, this one, one you're I was there it. with no bar and a leash and was sort of coming down in boots where you kind of can't kick the board off. I never can kick the board off straps anyway, so it would have still been bad. And I was just like, well, it was like slow motion. I think any kiteboarder that's had a big crash high up involving a line snap or sending the kite straight down or a catastrophic equipment malfunction knows that that period of time is scary as hell. It goes in slow motion and you get... Basically, you you decide on how much injured you get, you know, depending on how you land. I think ideally you go in shoulder first. Yeah, I couldn't. I was kind of stuck, sort of. What's the term? Spread eagle. Yeah. <laughs> in the crucifix position. Yeah, was looking coming at the down. sky, and I just really took a big one, and my my right leg got bent or crumpled up. It was nasty, but luckily I haven't blown anything serious. But I did consider getting out there. So I've just done some ligament damage in the knee. So, so I need strains or tears or just probably tears. I mean, I went to the doctor. I haven't got a scan yet, but I know I haven't snapped anything or I couldn't walk. I mean, I yeah. actually kited my second heat, but that kind of was the moment where, for my day experience, turned upside down. I was like, not really. I've been really strong, been at the gym. Probably what protected it protected the injury from being something major. That really helps out here to be strong and and you know and in some ways because of that every part of my leg took a bit of an impact but it didn't it didn't affect my result in the day at all that's not something I look back on and think oh if that hadn't happened I mean Ruben went through second heat I wasn't sure to go out I mean that was the time where I think Joshua soon after that Joshua hurt himself a bit a few injuries sort of crept up which can also be happening because of the wind as well it did decrease that day and the loops don't become higher and you drop out the sky and there's a bit of that involved in some injuries but for my part I was I got some painkillers in me it was fine did my second heat as best as I could but actually now probably shouldn't ride for a month which is very hard to do out here because it's the mecca of kiteboarding and it's a hard place to I mean I've had injuries in the past here and deliberately I take every route not on the front road so that I don't see the kites you know it's a it's a very difficult place to be injured so from my experience it's best to go home early You're flying home Friday, I'll go home Friday and see the physio and get a scan and see actually what I've done but I need I know in my body that I need a good month off that so it's part and parcel with this event that you do pick up injuries if I look at my last seven events probably three of them I've had an injury which has put me out for a, you know, a, a period of time and I'm not the only one that's had that but that's what you give to be you know you do you accept that and you want to give everything for this event you know so you do it the difference is you wouldn't do something like that in a not normal day kite and you'd wait like I said 20 30 minutes to perform something like until it's perfect that's the difference yeah. in this competition You're riding is pushed into doing pressing it. it all into that heat and making correct decisions like that and so now that you're you're not compete, competing, obviously tomorrow it's going to happen. 
what's your plan for the day tomorrow? Are you relaxing on the beach, drinking beers, or are you helping out the other riders? Or, you know, is it is it quite nice going into the finals? Obviously, it's upsetting that you're not in it. Yeah. But is it quite nice just going, oh, I've got a day down the beach with my mates hanging out? Um, had you asked me what my plan was <laughs> last Thursday, I would, I would have told you that I want to be as far away from this event as I physically can be. But now I've had four days to process it and think about it. Come to terms with it all. Yeah, I Calm think, down. I mean, it is unusual in that the four the three previous years I've made it through to the semi-finals so it's unusual not to be getting ready for some more action um, I would like to see it I might get involved on some commentary or something like I used to do yeah. a lot of that and I started thinking lately it would be nice to actually go and watch it I'd like to support Lassa the duo tone rider that's still in you know he's teammate it, it very so. much feels there's an atmosphere here of the Ryder Cup where you are in it as a team and that's yeah. just keeping the flag going for duo tone so I'd like to support him if I can. I know he'll have his caddies and things like that, but I would like to go and I would like to go and see the day as a as a fan of kiteboarding because that's important to do as well. So I will be there, and I think hopefully it will come through strong in the evening, and it's going to be a a good climax to a, quite a intense two weeks of being on hold. That's a really hard time to be waiting those guys now are like really on hold i mean your, your whole life's on hold anyway in january until the event starts and then having that break in the middle i know from experience is kind of like it's a lovely feeling to get through the first part of it but it's sort of brought back down to earth when you're like right we need to go again you know but i'd certainly rather be in that boat than looking at it from a day out on the beach, beach. <laughs> yeah. especially if it nukes it that would be painful yeah that would be very painful if you're too. looking at the condition of going they would have yeah. suited me a lot there's better there's nothing worse than being out of an event and the first part of the event's been 25 and then you see a 40 that's actually that would be borderline hard to be at the beach if I'm honest that would be very difficult and especially as you can't go off and ride somewhere because you're injured yeah, so you can't even go for a kite or double whammy too yeah I think that's not going to be the case I think it's going to be similar but you know, it's it's how it is, but it's be interesting. It's such a diverse bunch of guys that have made it through. It's actually I'm actually interested to see who, takes who comes it. out on top this year. There's a few wild cards in there, I think. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Like it would, like you know, we did our predictions earlier, and you could say, oh, that's the the thinking man's mm. choice, as it were. But I mean, really, any one of them could do it. They've all made it to the semis, and they've 50% all got fifty percent of that fleet have won it. Yeah, so they've all got trips up there. Won it, but the other half will be itching to win it. And yeah, then... it's a big moment for them. Like that's, that's another aspect of this event worth talking about is the the age range as well now. So typically, in my opinion, it's the older guys that have got the most experience. I mean, Kevin must be over thirty now. Oh yeah, or Aurelian's I think thirty five or thirty two. Oh, right. But he's the oldest person in the event. He's either thirty two or thirty five. So he'll either shoot me or you it's know think me or him. Yeah, and, yeah, but he's yeah okay. So yeah, I mean this this area of the sport, you're flying the kites with your mind. It's like the best analogy I like to use is an airline pilot. That the airline pilots of fifty are the more experienced. There's just no form of training you can do to be prepared for this wind, apart from previous experience, especially in crisis moments. You build up a picture of when to pull the kite. I mean, you can. You can make a loop half of the way round with it facing down and pull out of it if you sense that something's wrong. Where you, you don't build that window of of time when you first start learning. You when you first start learning this stuff, you send the kite round in your mind before you've even taken off. You just commit to everything and 
usually that takes three or four rib injuries, which are horrendous to <laughs> sit through. If anyone's hurt their ribs in kiting, you know how hard that is. So you, know, you have to have gone through that time. So we're not seeing a massive amount of young riders. I know there was an 18-year-old, I think, in it. Yeah, in my was, first yeah. heat, but he didn't have the best competition. But he, you know, he's in at 18. Liam's so pretty young, isn't he? Still, I mean, yeah. Well, how much? How old is he? Probably nearly mid 20s or something, or not? Yeah, I don't think he's. That yeah, old. so we basically compared to freestyle, we don't have 16, 17 year olds that 14 year old blitzers so yeah. aware of their their aerial awareness at a low level. This is really about piloting a kite. You, we're pilots out there, so I think that there's the odd young person coming in but like in Aurelian's case possibly he's the oldest guy and he's come in and got to the semi-final you know so you're seeing an older and if you looked at the average age of those that have made the semis I think apart from Lassie they're all over 25 I think would be a fair judgment so there's there's that going in your favour when you start becoming one of these older <laughs> guys you're like well you know getting maybe, the experience maybe up, up to this event I was on a real crescendo of results I was like peaking always like, right, I'm here, yeah. I'm so this little blip hasn't been too welcome but you know I, I think it sounds a bit outrageous but it's something that when the conditions are on and they're big you, you naturally think well if my body's in good shape I've said it before I'd love to be out there still competing in this level until I'm 50 but <laughs> I don't well, know body I mean you look right. at the big wave surfers they're all a lot of them are in their 50s Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Because it takes experience. Yeah, yeah, you look at average age, I think it's like 40-odd. You know, there's not many young guns coming and mm. really pushing them. Obviously, you've got like the Kai Lennies and a few of them, but the majority of them are, are getting on a bit, you know, certainly in their yeah. 40s, if not getting on for 50s. You're not it's... needing your body too much here as far as being supple and flexible. I'm, yeah. I'm not very flexible. I do my stretches and try up to the event to be in the best shape I can, but it's all core-driven. It's all about your core strength, which is naturally built by this discipline anyway. So and the more experience you have, the better yeah, you're, you're getting. So the more time you spend mega looping every yeah, year that you do that, up, you're, you're building up more experience than a younger guy who just hasn't been on the planet long enough to yeah, do that. Yeah, and you're hopefully part of a wave which is pushing it further away from when the others are getting into it. So, you know, effectively you're just sitting on a chair and piloting this kite, you know. That's how I see it. So it's all in the mind for sure. So next year, Aaron's out early, you're out early. Technically, you're going to have to do a video to get mm -hmm. back in yeah. unless you get a wild card. Yeah. Are you 100% video coming back? Or are you Definitely. Kind of like... I mean, if, if I've heard they might not be doing a video, so I'm not sure how that's going to work out. I mean, naturally, you try and hope for the wild card slot, which in my mind, um, Aaron should get first in. He's won the event twice. You know, that should be a no-brainer. Then you've got Sam that's been pretty much at all the events, apart from one, well, two now, actually, with this last one. Um, when you, you look at all that stuff straight away, I, mean, I haven't had to for a while, but naturally, I was like, that's the best thing about winning your first heat. You're actually in next year's event. That's a fail-safe. So Jerry's also, he's done every event but one, so he'll push for one. But I think um, I did actually, I was a bit lazy one year. I had to make a video in 2014 it was because um, for the 2015 event I'd come 17th the year before um, and I actually was a bit naughty and used my peer jump video and that sort of got me through so <laughs> I think I've exhausted that one but that said I think that if it is a video process I'll make the best thing I can and get through on merit if I need to do that I think that's a, a big part of it that I've come to understand over the years you can't 
really look at it and be like, oh, that rider's not in because of his performance last year. Every single rider that's here has earned to be here on merit. And that's something I'm passionate about, that if you're in this event, you, you however you got here, either through your finish last year or, you know, the video system's probably harder to go through. You know, you can't obviously qualify because you haven't got that finish. But I think that it's, uh, you know, something you need to take seriously and that I'd like to think I'm here on merit next year. But I'd love to get 10 done. That would be nice. I've done seven now. So get another Ten in a row. In that's, I think that's my deep down goal. I mean, that's I'm a I'm a maths guy, so I, I think if I did ten, I've got better probability of winning. <laughs> if I just keep doing them, then maybe <laughs> one from it. ten rather than one from seven, it makes sense, yeah. right? You've got more yeah. chances. But it's definitely become kind of a obsession to to do that. You know, like I look at it now, and I think you know you you can't ever get near some of the achievements of guys like Aaron they've won five world championships in a row in freestyle where there's a proper tour and you know a guy like me I've never been that far ahead of any discipline but I have won a mega loop challenge and nobody's won a mega loop challenge a king of the air and a stop on the world tour in a big air department I've got two of those this would complete the third the Alonso like. of the kiting world. It would complete <laughs> that little mini grand slam that I've made up in my head that no one probably <laughs> thinks about that for me would justify a, a great career. <laughs> You've but, spent ages thinking about and built it up to be something massive yeah. that's now... So, well, now that Lass has done a mega loop challenge as well. So, you know, probably worth talking about that event as well, that it's an event that I think would be completely fair to say we viewed as King of the Air Riders as a... B-level event, what with the the riders entering stuff, but now actually that's taken on a whole new meaning. There's been talk here that the riders are going to get flight money and everything to be there this next time they do that. So it's the evolution of this event, which is starting to be associated with a lighter wind, whereas that event, which only you know, it doesn't happen in six months, they don't do they don't even do it if it's not forty knots or plus. So. There might be a shift, I think, in riders looking at that event as the one which really... The pinnacle of which really big is air about kite boarding. Deal with it, yeah. Rather than coming back to the king of the air, which seems to be running in 25 knots more consistently just because that's what... That's what they're given, you know. Conditions yeah. are delivered and you've got everyone waiting and everyone wanting to see it happen. Mm. So that's what makes it's it It's more tricky. of the all-rounder, if you like, at the moment in that. Whereas the other one is just like who can deal with this when it's new, like proper nuking, you know. And I think that's that's where my passion lies, and that's where a lot of the other guys' passion lies. But you can't take your eyes off this event because you know one day it's gonna, it has to nuke it here. It has done in 2016. It properly nuked it here, and it was magic. I think it was really like another level of height and things. It was a very special day up until the point I don't know, so. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that's what I hold out for here for sure another day like that yeah that's all I think about and actually well to be fair in those conditions like on that day we said it in the last episode but you know you were in my mind the guy that was on a tear like you were going huge the conditions mm-hmm. were suiting you you were flying and then you had that terrible accident happy, yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and it can affect your um preparation for each event so every year I do this event I learn something and then I go into the next year and I'm like right I've got it dialed you know how many years I've done it I'm like right I definitely haven't missed anything and then this year I woke up 
three days after the event and just had this light bulb moment. I was like, why didn't I take the 10? It was like, it was so <laughs> obvious. It was so obvious to me. I was like, idiot, why didn't you take the 10? That was what it, yeah. it was so clear. You could have been a bit more powered up. But the, the way it worked, because you know those magical days can happen here, you have to put ourselves, put yourselves in our shoes. You see this massive cloud pulling in, you know the forecast is it to, to, to really honk. nuke yeah. it. And it's like, I'm sure many kites can relate to, there's a psychological aspect of pumping up a bigger kite that usually when you do that, it nukes it through and anyway. you need the other kite. So, I mean, I set up two nine Vegases at the start of that day. Did you possibly, even set up the 10? No, and that was possibly the stupidest thing I've done in my career. I was just so sure of the forecast and, the, and it did start coming up 30 knots. I launched the nine and was like, it's there, it's going to be great. And looking back at the statistics, I think I was a bit naive to... Not have the 10 ready to go on the beach. That, yeah, and that was, it was so obvious after the event. So I learned again something, which is nice thing about competition and event. You always learn something. Always learning. Definitely the other guys were ready for that. And I think that's what I learned from it is that you have to, it's an illusion here. You see that cloud come in and the mountain and it's just hard to set, you know, it's hard to think negatively that, oh, it's not going to pump it. You've got to have all your bases covered. And that was a, um, competition move I didn't do so well this year but at least you've learnt from it yeah I, I can't have that again that was silly is it three days to learn that, that three days, days to work out you should like, have pumped your like, turn oh, up should have had the turn there yeah oh well well like, last year it was the same wind as I got through to the last three you know so it was kind of that was playing on my mind as well I think last year since last year now the riders have adapted so well to the lighter conditions yeah the the light moderate conditions the riders have it's unbelievable everyone can do everything both ways they can do all the moves like you really have to be able to do all of that stuff so i've seen all the guys out here in any condition training everything all the time and i think had thought watching on the beach like why are they training in this you know we're talking light light stuff than you expect and it's so that they can do it in in those conditions so that's another lesson i learned yeah go and push it so next year i'll give you a wild card on the basis that you were the man that (laughs) probably the most famous man with the event who got more press out of it than anyone else so just just on the fact i might have a crash again yeah he's good for the money i have another crash i don't want to become that guy especially after this last one here it's like oh god every time i nearly have a crash on the water now someone's like oh you I thought you were going to have another big one. I don't. I don't want that label. <laughs> the jet skis are revving their engines as soon as they saw you coming in. Three of them behind me. Well, the the event happens tomorrow. I'll see you on the beach for a beer. I'm going to go and stick this online so people can listen to it. Who's your money tomorrow. on? Who's my money on? I would say Kevin. Yeah, the betting safe. Betting like man. the safe betting man is on yeah. Kevin. I'd like for. Lasse to do it because I yeah. think it'd be a real nice story yeah, I do. for him because he's you know such a nice guy and he's still quite young and yeah. he's got some and serious he moves it. he wants it as well Jesse's obviously going to be a massive contender because he's just incredible in all conditions but yeah if I was to go and if I was to say who I wanted to win it'd be Kevin because yeah. I know Kevin quite well and you know he's I think he's, earth, he? he's down to earth and he's just an absolute ripper and that's not because I haven't got anyone, anything against all the other guys mm outsider already and yeah but I think Kevin will probably not even give him a look in in his heat he's just such a competition machine you know he's got it figured out so I think it will be Kevin 
in the final winning it with Jesse and maybe Lasse which I think is exactly what you said yeah but he definitely looks the tightest the Lasse and Liam one yeah depending because Liam's a those two yeah and Liam was second last year so Mm. you can't discount him but I just think because he's in boots because he's on a sea kite because it doesn't look super windy tomorrow that kite does go good though that probably goes the best that sea kite out of most of them in that wind in those conditions yeah he he was on a nine yeah you could say why weren't we on tens pretty much everyone was on a nine that day but the type of kite they're on makes a big difference. Yeah, gives them that little bit of extra float. So, yeah, that's where my money is. But we'll get this online. People can listen to it, and then they can laugh at us on Thursday when we get it all totally wrong. <laughs> when we somehow got the top six wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an absolute classic. Stranger things have happened. But anyway, Lou, thanks for that. That's okay. Thank you. It was that great was really good. post-competition therapy. Yeah, good that you've know, just... <laughs> let it all go good luck with the recovery Thank and you. Uh, hopefully I'll see you back in England riding again in a month I might even be kiting in a month's time you never know how are you doing uh, I'm good. getting there so oh, that's why you're gymming so you're strengthening yeah so, so I'm at the gym all the time strengthening it up so I've got another like at least another six weeks I think okay. before I can start kiting but it's getting better well so good luck with getting your better. recovery as well excellent yeah. we'll meet you at the gym there we have it episode 20 and I'm going to bring to a close there season one of the Intriguing Beings podcast. That doesn't mean it's finished by any stretch of the imagination. I'm going to be back in a couple of weeks and I'll have another season for you, season two. What I always wanted to do with this podcast was keep them really high quality with some really interesting guests. And what I'd like to do is just get a few weeks to catch up getting hold of some good guests to have on the podcast that are interesting and fit the criteria of being an intriguing being. So that's my plan and I'm going to work really hard on bringing season two and making it as good as season one. Thank you so much for listening in and thank you for all the positive feedback and for letting me know how much you've enjoyed these and coming up shaking my hand on the beach and sending me messages and things like that as ever share these episodes as far and as wide as possible um it's the fact that people are listening to them that makes me feel like it's worthwhile putting them together thanks ever so much for tuning into season one i look forward to seeing you for season two you've been listening to rude chater and the intriguing beings podcast have a fantastic week